We thank you for visiting Christian Bible Temple and pray the following message speaks to your heart. Christos Anesti. For those of you that are here visiting us for the first time and you don't know what that means, that's Christ is risen, truly risen in heaven's language, Greek. That's what we always, that's how Greek people and Russian people and Bulgarians and Serbians and all those of the uh, Orthodox uh, persuasion, that's how they greet each other during this time. They don't say hello or good morning, they say Christos Anesti. And the other person answers Alithos Anesti, which means truly risen. So we are here this morning to celebrate the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody asked the question, what is the difference between Christianity and any other religion? It's the difference between life and death. Because the founder of every religion is still buried to this day. Whereas the Lord Jesus Christ is alive and the tomb is empty. So we rejoice. He promised, because I live, you shall live also. And the message of the resurrection is not a message about death. It's a message about life. Okay? He died on the cross so that we might live. So this morning, I'm going to do is, first of all, we're going to have a word of prayer and ask the Lord's blessing on this service. And then we are going to continue explaining the relationship between the Jewish Passover, the Seder, and the Lord's Supper, and how many parallels they have, because one stems from the other. Let us pray this morning and ask for the Lord to bless our time together. Heavenly Father, we come before your presence this morning grateful that we have a risen Savior, a, a, a Savior that is alive, and who is able to change lives, who's able to give life when we were dead in our trespasses and sins. Thank you that you are alive, Lord, and not only you are alive, but one day soon you are coming back. And we are awaiting eagerly your return. Father in heaven, we thank you for this morning we thank you for the message of the resurrection. Open our understanding today, our minds and hearts, to be able to understand what we, uh, you want us to know today. We commit all this into your hands, and we praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week, I was uh, speaking about the Lord celebrating the Seder or the Passover feast with his disciples. He 
if you just give me one second, I will be with you. So if you open your Bibles there in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 26. this chapter we have the narrative of the Lord celebrating the Passover In uh, verse 17, it says there that now on the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, that's the Passover. You remember Passover for the Jewish people began last Sunday. Okay, <clears throat> that's when it began. On, the, on sundown, sundown of Saturday, the 27th, and Sunday the 28th was the first day of Passover. And it, it ends today. It's a feast of seven days, okay? It says, On the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying to him, Where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? And uh, we know that Jewish people do that every year, okay? They celebrate their deliverance from Egypt. Um, and he said, go into the city to a certain man and say to him, the teacher says, my time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover. When evening had come, he sat down with the twelve. And then in verse, if you go to verse 26, and as they were eating... Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave, gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on, from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. We spoke about what the Passover is, how the Jewish people celebrated, and then we talked about the intimate relationship between that and the Lord's table or the Lord's Supper, 
We talked about the Passover celebrations, the pains they go through, uh, every family to prepare the house, the home for the Passover. Uh, The father cleaning the house of all leaven, making sure there is no leaven at all. And then the mother just giving it some kind of a spring cleaning, as it were, uh, for days before the matzah could be brought in, which is the unleavened bread. And uh, we uh, talked about how the father goes to synagogue uh, at sundown and uh, comes back to a uh, lighted up house and everybody is around the table in their festive clothes, clothing, uh, ready to celebrate, okay? And, uh, and then they set up, we said, a place of honor for the prophet Elijah. They put an, a chair and they put a cup. They fill his cup with wine and they have a, a chair there with a plate, uh, you know, mat and the, uh, the, the, the uh, silverware and everything because they believe that any day the prophet Elijah will come and he will announce the coming of the Messiah, okay? Uh, and every year that's their prayer. As a matter of fact, the youngest of the children goes and runs and opens the door for Elijah to come in and they hope that that will be the year that he comes. Now, we also talked about the Passover symbols, the glass of salt water, and what it represents. It represents two things. Number one, the crossing of the Red Sea. As the Hebrew people, led by Moses, came to the border of the Dead Sea, to the shores of the Dead Sea in Egypt, and Pharaoh was pursuing them, and uh, the Lord miraculously opened the Red Sea, and they crossed on dry land, okay? And uh, that represents the, uh, the Red Sea, that glass of salt water. But it also represents the tears that their ancestors shed for 430 years as they were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt. Then they have the unleavened bread, or what it's called the matzo. Matzah is one, matzo. Uh, matzos are uh, plural. They cover with a napkin, like a pillow type thing. And one day, like I said before, we're going to do that here. We were to, to do it last year, and then, then this pandemonium struck, and we were not able to do it. And we're still not able to do it this year. But Lord willing, next year, maybe in Jerusalem. Wouldn't that be great? Yes. You say, oh, come on. Come on? I went there six times. So if I went, you can go. And most of the people here in our church went with us in 2019. And one day uh, comes our sister Lisa here. She says, oh, would that, wouldn't that be great to go back to Israel? I said, yes, it would. I, I know Senaida would not like that. <laughs> and, uh, and so we are, you know, hoping one day soon. Uh, but w- we might be able to celebrate the Passover Uh, with all these elements. They also have on the table a shank bone, which is the bone of a lamb. It represents the lamb that is not there today because there is no temple, okay? There's no temple in Jerusalem, and therefore there's no sacrifice. But we know that our lamb is the Lord Jesus Christ, amen? Then they have four cups of red wine, symbolic of the blood of the lamb. You remember that I told you about the four cups? Okay? And we said the first cup was the cup and kiddush, which in Hebrew means sanctification. It's the cup of sanctification. And when the Lord gave them the first cup in Luke 
speaks about two cups. They don't speak about all of them. They sp- uh, and the other gospels only speak of the cup. And uh, he gave it to them. The first cup was a cup of sanctification. And uh, where it says in the gospel of Luke, after taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. So then we have the second cup. The second cup is the, uh, uh, the cup of what we said? I'm sorry? Plagues. The cup of the plagues. Okay? Uh, and uh, it speaks about the, all the plagues that God sent. The judgment he sent on Egypt that night. Uh, on the eve of their exit. The eve of the uh, Passover. And uh, as the father narrates the story called the Haggadah, he puts his finger in the cup and lets one drop fall, and he recites all the cups. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, all the plagues. And he says, blood, frogs, vermin, darkness, hail, everything. He mentions all the tank plagues. Okay, and uh, that's what the four cups of wine represent. Then the third cup is the cup of redemption. And that's the cup the Lord took, lifted up. And uh, he uh, said, take this and drink it. This is my blood of the new covenant. Okay, it's sad to say this. I didn't know this for years. Uh, and I, until I started studying the Bible more deeply and being in touch with Jewish believers. And Jewish believers are wonderful because they give you the same story of redemption, the Messiah, but they also give you the whole Jewish background, which I'm afraid is lost to most people these days because it is not taught in churches. Okay? So this morning, we, we are learning about these things because they're so meaningful so meaningful and so the uh, uh, the, uh, uh, the father takes the third cup and in this case the Lord Jesus Christ took the third cup and he says take take this drink from it uh, for this is my blood in the new covenant and then the last uh, or the fourth uh, cup we said it was the cup of praise okay and we're going to talk about these things in detail as we go. Uh, also, they have a hard-boiled egg on the table, representing the uh, second sacrifice for the Passover. Now, why say second sacrifice? Remember, in the day of Yom Kippur, the day of atonement, the high priest went into the holiest place. And he went in there once a year only, but he went in there twice that year, that day, twice that day. The first time he went in and he offered a sac- the sacrifice for his own sins. And then he came out and then he went back in with a sec- the blood of a second sacrifice for the sacrifice for the sins of the people. And uh, we, they also have on top of the table the bitter herbs, which remind them, you know, they eat something like, it's something like um, uh, radish, okay? Uh, when you eat that, what happens? All right? You start crying. 
So that brings tears to your eyes, and uh, they make uh, that with you know that with that kind of uh, of an herb, and it brings tears to their eyes, symbolic of the bitterness and sorrow of the slaves of Pharaoh, their ancestors. And then they have something else called haroset, which is a clay-like substance made with apples and nuts, and it represents you know the the clay from which the Israelites were forced to make bricks to build Pharaoh's mighty cities, their fortresses, and mon monuments. Now, probably at this point, we said the Lord Jesus Christ stood up and girded himself with a towel, and he proceeded to wash the disciples' feet. Because at this point, the Father washes his hands. Okay? He washes his hands. And uh, the Passover, we said, was a story, or is a story, of deliverance from slavery. At this point, the Father, we say, washes his hands and pronounces the blessing over the wine and all drink of it, even as our Lord and his disciples did. And then begins the long recital in a chanting voice of the story of God's deliverance of his people. And he begins by saying, we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt. And that whole Haggadah takes something like two hours. Okay, and we are not going to do that today. We'll do it some other time. For two hours, he tells in detail, all right, the events preceding the Passover. At what point all the symbols on the table are explained, the ones that I just explained to you. And, uh, and then, as I said before, there's only one thing missing from the table. It's the lamb, the essence of the Passover. Uh, which was ordained to be sacrificed and consumed by every, every Hebrew family. Okay? Uh, every year, for some 35 centuries, the Jewish people have, repeating, have been repeating the same story. Without fail. Now, one thing we must really say about the Jews to their credit they don't deviate from their traditions, do they? Like some Christian churches do. All right? And uh, they are witnesses for God to the nations of the world, drawing renewed hope and strength to carry them through whatever suffering and persecution time may bring along. And let me tell you, they suffered a lot throughout the centuries. And uh, they testify to the fact that he who delivered them from Pharaoh in Egypt, and he who delivered them from Haman in Persia, and he who delivered them from Hitler in Germany and Europe, though many of them perish, we know, but his purpose was to exterminate the Jewish people. Did he succeed? No. Because after the uh, World War II, what happened? The state of Israel was born. Hitler committed suicide in 1945, and the state of Israel was born in 1948. The Lord promised through the prophet Jeremiah, you see the stars in heaven? If they ever stop sh shining, or if the sun goes out, or if there's no sand on the seashore, that's when I will forsake Israel. And we know that that is an impossibility. 
The Bible tells us in the book of Zechariah that the Jewish people are the apple of his eye. Anyone who touches them, touches him. So we must be very careful how we treat the Jewish people. As I always say to people, you see a Jew, bless him under your breath. Bless him. Because the Lord promised Abraham, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. I gave you the story of Joseph Stalin, the Russian dictator. Well, he was not even Russian. He was Georgian. Soviet dictator who in January of 1953 began to plan the extermination of the Jews in the Soviet Union. He died in June of that year. He was not able to carry out his plan. And they say that when he was dying, he raised his fist toward heaven defiantly towards God. He died like an animal. God doesn't fool around. God doesn't fool around. This is as real as you and I are here today. So we see here that we, we came to this point. This solemn holiday is the means of the undying messianic hope. Now, the last Passover in the upper room, what we read today in Matthew, in the upper room, called the Cenaculum in Latin, which means the place of dining, all right, is where the Lord Jesus and his 12 disciples ate their Passover meal and where Jesus ordained the most sacred rite among Christians. I should like to say more than a rite, it's an ordinance. The Lord left us only two ordinances for the church. One is baptism and the other one is the Lord's Supper, okay? Uh, we see here that this Lord's Supper commemorates his death, resurrection, and coming again. And it was here in the upper room that Passover at last obtained its real meaning and deepest significance. We can now <coughs> see more clearly, clearly that this great event, okay, um, where the Lord, <coughs> excuse me, where the Lord and his 12 disciples gathered together in this room to eat the Passover, how his heart longed to sit down and with them and celebrate this last Passover. And he says so in Luke. He says, With fervent desire, I have desire to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. See, he knew this was the last day he was going to be with them. Okay? And he was looking forward to celebrating this Passover. It was the fulfillment of of all the Passovers from the Old Testament. Here they sat together observing the Passover as ordained by God in Exodus chapter 12. If you have never read that story in Exodus, Exodus 12, I, I encourage you to do so when you go home. Okay? It's a beautiful. It's one of the most beautiful portions of Scripture in the Old Testament. But now there is a new life infused into this ancient observance by the one who was the final reality of the Passover story. Now the full significance of Israel's deliverance from Egypt was unfolded at last. Here is the Lamb of God in the person of the Messiah himself about to shed his blood upon the cross that all who believe in him may be set free from sin and darkness 
and be able to begin a new life as children of God. The Jewish people celebrate deliverance from Egypt, from the slavery of Pharaoh. But the Lord Jesus Christ had the coming, or God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit had a greater purpose than just the deliverance, the physical deliverance from Egypt. It's the spiritual deliverance of all the people from the bondage of sin, hell, the devil, and death. Among the many symbolic actions of the Passover is the eating of the what is called the afikomen, which is the matzah. Okay? Early in the meal, the father takes the middle matzah, which, because he puts three loaves of matzah inside that pillow. Okay? And he takes the middle one. Interesting, he takes the middle one, right? Doesn't take the upper one or the lower one. Takes the middle one. Okay? Takes the middle one. And uh, he breaks it. And after pronouncing a benediction, distributes half among the members of the family, while the second half is hidden away and brought forth at the end of the meal. The children are supposed to look for it at the end of the meal, and whoever finds it gets a reward. All right? That's representative of the Son of God who was broken, his body was broken, and that's what he took, the afikomen, the second matzah, and broke it and said, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. And that represents his broken body on that cross. And, uh, and, and uh, the fact that it's hidden away again, that represents that he's gone and he's coming back again. Okay? Um, in the same way, the Lord Jesus sat down there with his disciples and took the, bre the, the bread, blessed it, broke it, and divided it among his disciples. And he pronounced the words that we read every month in 1 Corinthians 11, where it says, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. See, the Lord's Supper is not something that you take and it's so mystical that it cleanses your sins like some churches believe I used to go to the Greek Orthodox Church where I was born and uh, we used to go to the Mass and take communion and over there we don't do it with a host we do it with bread and wine but you could not take it if you ate anything that day you could not even drink water that morning now I remember my mom all, always very wise. She used to repeat the words that her grandmother repeated, which are in the Gospel of Mark. It is not what goes in the body that contaminates the man. It's what comes out of the heart of man that contaminates man. And we thought that by taking all oh, the bread and drinking just one teaspoon, they gave you the very cheap priests. Huh? Just one little spoon. And uh, that, that cleansed our sins. What a lie. How can something physical cleanse something spiritual? Like churches who believe that you get saved when you're baptized in water. Water doesn't cleanse sin. doesn't doesn't clean sin. It's the blood of Jesus, faith in his sacrifice, that cleanses us from all sin. No element 
physical element will ever, ever cleanse anything in our lives. This is just a symbolic thing. The Lord says, do this in remembrance of me. It's like having a picture. And we look at the picture. Many times I look at the picture of my mom. I have it right there next to my table, night, night table. And I always say good night to her before I turn off the light. Good night, Mama. Why? Is that picture of my mother? No, but it reminds me of her. It's her picture. See? So this is the same thing. It illustrates a wonderful truth. And, um, and so the Lord, um, how interesting that the hidden half of the unleavened middle cake should be preserved as a symbol and rite even to this present day. A wonderful testimony to the broken body of the Lord Jesus Christ and his resurrection. Now, strange and beyond explanation are the wonderful ways of our God. The red wine on the Passover table brings to memory the blood of the Lamb by which the children of Israel were saved from death. Remember the Lord told them to take one lamb per family, slay it. You know, they had to slaughter the lamb and take the blood and paint the doorposts and the dintel of the house, the door of the house. And when the angel of death came, to, to, to kill the firstborn of Egypt, the, well, the firstborns of anyone, okay, when he saw the blood, what did the angel do? Passed over. That's why it's called Passover. Pesach. Pesach. I don't know why they call it Easter. I detest that. Only in English and German it's called Easter, and that's a pagan holiday. Okay, the goddess Ashtoreth of the Phoenicians. In every language of the world, you say Pasqua or Pascha or Pesach. Okay? When we greet one another in Greek, we say Kalo Pascha. I have an echo here. So, the red wine on the Passover table brings to memory the blood of the Lamb by which the children of Israel were saved from death. Our Lord and Savior, too drank of that red wine after blessing it and dividing dividing it among the disciples just like he did with the bread so now he passes the cup and says take take drink this this is my blood of the new covenant do this as often as you do it in remembrance of me okay he himself was the final reality of what the passover lamb sought to convey originally Every Passover lamb pointed to him, the Lamb of God. It is his blood that saves both Jew and Gentile uh, from death of sin and eternal condemnation and makes the believer a child of God. It says also here, in, uh, when we read the Gospel of Matthew, that after they had done all that, they sang a hymn and they, went, they left and they went to the Garden of Gethsemane. What did they do? At the end of the, the Passover celebration, they sang, and they still sing, what they are, they are called the Hallel Psalms. The Hallel Psalms are Psalms 113 through 118. Those are the Hallel Psalms. They are sung. And in Psalm 118, if you'd like to open to that psalm for one second, Psalm 118 And you go to verse 21. 
In this psalm, it says the words, I will praise you, for you have answered me and have become my salvation. And you know, the Lord quoted these following, the words that follow, to the Jewish leaders that did not believe. He said, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. These words are very, very significant. And they are the very words our Lord and His disciples sang after the Passover feast. Now, it is most important. He Himself was the stone the builders rejected. The leaders of Israel at that time rejected the Messiah. They rejected and the cornerstone of God's great building, His kingdom. Christ is the foundation and the cornerstone. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the sanctuary of God in whom people of all generations have found refuge, have found peace and comfort for their souls. And what does it say there? This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, the Passover and the Lord's Supper become one complete story of deliverance and salvation. Every time a Jew celebrates the Passover, unconsciously he bears witness of, to the Messiah. Every time a Christian partakes of the Lord's Supper, he remembers him of whom the Passover lamb was a symbol, the Messiah who died for him and by whose blood we are cleansed and forgiven forever. Christ arose also, the uh, as prophesied, because the story of the Passover and the Lord's Supper would be incomplete without the resurrection of our Lord. The story of Jesus does not end with his death and burial in a borrowed grave. If this were the end, it would be a very tragic and sad story. Christ arose from the dead as victor, raised by the power of God according to his word that he would not suffer his Holy One to see corruption. We know that this is something that King David prophesied 1,000 years before the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was ever incarnated. In Psalm 16, he says, For you will not leave my soul in Sheol or Hades or hell, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. Christ arose. The first fruits of the resurrection, bringing us assurance that if we die in Him, we shall also live through Him and with Him. And this is why are here the, the words of the Apostle Paul in the resurrection chapter, 1 Corinthians 15. It says, But now Christ is risen from the dead. Now, this is written some. 25, 30 years after the Lord Jesus Christ went to heaven, okay, after he ascended. It says, but now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. In other words, of those who have died in Christ. Those who die in Christ only fall asleep. The Bible never mentions people who die in the Lord as dying. talks about them as falling asleep, okay? And then it says, for since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. 
when we went to Jerusalem, if you remember, we visited a shrine very dear to the heart of Jews everywhere. And it's a shrine that is very dear to the heart of every true believing Christian as well. Which shrine is that? It's King David's tomb. Which, by the way, it's in a small synagogue under the Cenacolum, where the Lord celebrated the Last Supper. That same building. Under that is the synagogue. And in this synagogue is the tomb of King David, the beloved psalmist of Israel. And on it are engraved with golden Hebrew letters the words, David, the king of Israel, lives forevermore. Is, he alive? is David alive today? Yes, he is. Not physically. He's in heaven. That the Lord would raise him up. And he will reign with the Lord in the kingdom. The Apostle Peter undoubtedly knew this tomb, for he speaks about it very clearly in the book of Acts, when on the day of Pentecost, he addressed a large number of Jews in Jerusalem. In the book of Acts, in the, his first sermon, in chapter 2, he quotes this verse that I just read to you from the Psalms. He's talking to the Jewish people and he says, men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. See, 2,000 years ago, Peter, a Jew, knew that David the king was buried right there in Jerusalem. And therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he would raise up the Christ to sit on his throne, he foreseen this, spoke concerning the resurrection of the Christ, that his soul was not left in Hades. That's what we read John, uh, Psalm 16:10. Nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God has raised up, of which we are all witnesses. As a result of this message, 3,000 souls came to faith in the Messiah. And the first church of Christ was established in Jerusalem with all those believers. The day of Pentecost. When was the church born? The day of Pentecost. Okay. Now in closing this morning, I would say that the important thing we celebrate today is Christ. He is our Passover. The Apostle Paul, another Jew, led by the Holy Spirit, spoke about the importance and the significance of this Passover for every believer. In the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 5, he says, Therefore, purge out the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, since you truly are unleavened. For indeed Christ our Passover was sacrificed for us. Therefore let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, 
or with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. As we look at the story of the Passover and the story of the crucifixion and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the words of the Apostle John come to mind. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. We who were strangers, alienated from God because of our sin, the Son of God came down and became alienated from the Father so that we may become sons of God. That's the message of the Passover. That's the message of the resurrection. That's what we are celebrating today. In closing, I would like to say this. No religion, regardless of what it is, will ever save you. All religions are man-made because they're all inventions of man or bad interpretations of man. The only thing that saves a sinner is a personal relationship with the Father, and that relationship with the Father can only be attained through the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for listening to this message and pray that the Word of God spoke to your heart. To listen to previous sermons, please visit us at www.cbttbc.com or anchor.fm forward slash cbt hyphen sermons.